You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel San Angelo and Trey Harris. I use that same trick to get my wife to take medicine when her stomach hurts. Her reaction is very similar to Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to episode 88 of 80s Revisited. Sorry for the long delay. We've had some personal and medical issues to deal with, but mm. rest assured, Daniel is dead. Uh, it's just me and Jesse <laughs> <Yay>! today. <laughs> Actually, he's awaiting the birth of his second child. Uh, there was a recently a movie about TikTok. his upcoming son, Noah. I don't know if y'all saw it, but... It, I skipped that I, it one. strayed way far from the facts. Let me tell you that about Daniel and his unborn child. Just my two cents on that issue. Is that the name he's going with? I believe so, yeah. No. Last time I checked. Mm. Not that I check a lot. But uh, What if he yes. grows up to hate animals? <laughs> he, becomes, he becomes like a dog catcher at a kill shelter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> no. Nobody calls me that name. Yeah. Hey, it could be a, that could be a Disney movie. You know, he's the villain, oh, okay. but then, like, he meets the one little puppy that changes his mind. Oh. You know? Sounds something. like a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> or it could, be a, it could be an exotic animal, like a ferret or something. Or well, an anteater. I mean, they're giving a grumpy cat a movie career now, so... Wow. <laughs> Actually, I, strangely enough, too, I saw they have cat treats, like, endorsed by grumpy cat. Grumpy cat. Oh, I think God. it had him on the cover, the cover, the rapper, and he, like, says, I hate it. Well, good. And Don't buy it. Their, their, their cat looks has a face, and they make millions of dollars off of it. Why can't I have a pet that looks ridiculous? Yep. I mean, well, that's, that's all you need these days. Just go to the shelter, get them all, and just take pictures of each one, see which one takes, and throw out all the rest. Yeah, just kill the rest, take the one. Yeah, yeah. good idea. I know where that's I'm going That's what Noah after will this. do in the future. <laughs> There's the plot of the movie. <laughs> we just made a movie. All right. Anyway. We'll have to go make a movie. <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit, June 22nd, 1988. IMDb 7.7. Rotten Tomatoes, however, 98% critics, 94% audience. Fair enough. Scored well with the, the Rotten Tomato crowd. $70 million estimated budget. Opening was $12 million. Domestically, it doubled its budget at $154.1. Worldwide, $327.4 million. And Daniel, if he was here, always likes to hear the rental numbers. It made $81.2 million in rental sales. Mm. A lot of that being from my family. Did you introduce yourself? I didn't. Oh. I just went to the whole diatribe about the Noah thing and the movie plot. I got excited. That's true. Of course, I'm Trey Harris, and with me, as always, is, oh, he's not here, as we said. <laughs> I'll skip that part. But our producer and Oops. today co-host, official full co-host of 80s Revisited, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're here today to answer who framed Roger Rabbit. Continue. 
Let me see where I was. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, directed by the great Robert Zemeckis, a veteran of the podcast. Of course, most notably, the Back to the Future trilogy. And of course, if Daniel was here, Forrest Gump, one of his favorite movies of all time. I enjoy uh, Forrest Gump. I do, too. I th- it's not one of my favorite of all time, but I appreciate it. What's that movie rated? I guess it Forrest did Gump? have some... Uh, 8. Six, point, oh, yeah. Roger Rabbit, 7.7. Forrest Gump, 8.8. 8. Yeah. Castaway also was a Mecca's film, and another 80s classic, Romancing the Stone, starring the voice of Jessica Rabbit. So if you don't know who that is, you're about to find out, because I'm about to get right into that. Uh, the screenplay was by Jeff Price and Peter Seaman, uh, based on the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit, uh, which, as we just watched a YouTube video to get some extra facts on, was actually written about racism in the 40s. So Roger Rabbit mm. is, a, you know, it's, a, it's, the, it's the kid's version of Uncle Tom. There you go. You know, or Little Black Sambo or whatever, you know. you got to introduce Twelve it years to him slave. somehow. Yeah. You know, what, and what better way through the hijinks of a cartoon rabbit framed for murder? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, starring the recently deceased, unfortunately, Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant. Of course, uh, other children of the era might remember him as Mr. Smee in Steven Spielberg's Hook. He was also a veteran of the podcast because he was in The Wall. He was uh, Pink's manager. Uh, had like about five minutes of screen time total in that film. He was also in a great World War II movie called Enemy at the Gate, starring Jude Law and my dad, Ed Harris. Uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, turning in another great performance of the decade as Judge Doom. Another veteran of the podcast, Back to the Future trilogy, of course, Doc Brown. And also mm-hmm. uh, Buckaroo Banzai and Ventures Across the Fifth Dimension. And also he played an angel, a more dramatic turn in Angels in the Outfield, also starring Matthew McConaughey. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, the lovely, at one point in her life, Joanna Cassidy as Dolores. <laughs> one point. <laughs> I'm just not a Joanna Cassidy fan. She's not ugly. I'm just not she a fan. She has since melted. <laughs> the wax <laughs> facade of her face has melted. No, just kidding. We love you, Joe. Uh, but she was also a veteran of the podcast. She was in Blade Runner. She was the first replicant that Deckard hunt, hunted and took out. Uh, also, Spoiler. don't tell mom. Don't tell. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. Uh, Charles Fleischer was the voice of Roger Rabbit. He was actually, uh, he does a, pretty much, he's strictly a voice actor for the most part. Uh, he did appear in the flesh in, uh, where was I? Back to the Future 2 as like some random one word person. Uh, nice. But he did a lot of voices and most recently in Rango, but also Polar Express. Uh, Kathleen Turner was the uncredited voice of Jessica Rabbit, one of the sexiest cartoons ever. And one of the reasons I grew up to love redheads. She's went through some changes, huh? Oh, Kathleen, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's the voice does not Worse match. Worse melted, right? Yeah, she has a voice for radio, a face for radio, as they say in, in that industry. Uh, and Mel Blanc, the late, great Mel Blanc, was the voice of Daffy, Tweety, and Bugs Bunny, reprising all of his famous characters. And, of course, he passed away actually not too long, a few years maybe after this film was finished. Uh, this would normally be the part where I, was, I would ask Daniel what he thinks mm. of these movies on this podcast, because that's kind of the point. You know, we'd like to watch movies that most of them he hasn't seen, but some of them he has. Uh, this is one that he was familiar with. But instead, we Jesse could hypothesize is, it. I okay. If I, okay, Daniel, what do you think of this film? You know, he pa- he always pauses a little bit and then. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I hate it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you know, you, know, you, know, you always tries to get that kind of like reaction yeah. first out of me. Yeah. Like if he knows that I'll, I'm passionate about the movie, he wants to make me think that I think he hated it. Yeah. And he tries to turn the tables. 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm on to his games, as like, I'm parodying well, now. Christopher Lloyd could do no wrong, but... <laughs> I, just, I just don't like Joanna Cassidy. She's no Olivia Newton-John. Think he listens to this? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, I'm pretty sure his wife does. Oh, okay. So that'll... Well, maybe if he's not here, she won't. Oh, maybe she just listened to listen to listen. I keep, I keep adding apostrophe s's to things today. Maybe she listens to it, you know, to hear him when he's not home. Yeah. It's like Daniel's in my ear, uh-huh. and he's not. I don't know. Just, of course, it doesn't yeah. come out till like a day after. <laughs> Again, hypothesizing. <laughs> but uh, you're you're very familiar with this movie, as am yes. I. Uh, yes, I'm familiar. Have with you the seen VHS it recently copy. by chance, or not recently? No. Uh, but man, I saw this so many times. We're out was, the VHS. I was about to say, this was one of those definitely that it got the VHS worn out, especially one particular scene, as we'll get to a little bit later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because, uh, let's see. I wish I had known about that scene. <laughs> oh, believe me. I remember doing that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Because I mean, it was a... You're so adult. <laughs> well, I was eight when this came out, Jesse. You were like six, you know? You were like, born 82, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, am I right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, it was like, I was in high school, you were in junior high, not at this time, but, you know, there's that, there's that divide between... You know, age groups. That's true. But uh, actually, I remember because so a foolish. friend of mine, I, I, I'm trying to think of his name. I can see his face. His name was Justin Mullins. He's like, yeah, man, Roger Rabbit, you could see her. You could see her hoo-ha. And oh, you gave it away. We were hiding it so well. I, <laughs> ah, that's what we like to do. <laughs> but of course, there's the, the infamous scene, if you will, where you can, if you have the VHS version, you can pause it at the right time and you understand, you can see that Jessica Rabbit is in fact going commando. Uh, don't try to do it on your DVD because they have since fixed it. Uh, what about um, on YouTube? It it should be. Maybe. Yeah, I gotta find that. But again, it's so tiny and practically that's, insignificant. It's more like something that an eight or a six year old would look and be like, huh, huh, huh. "Yeah, it's cool." That's not it. But uh, anyway, I like you. I have nothing but fond fond memories of this film, uh, and I uh, I have the the big special edition DVD that came out I think for the twenty fifth anniversary. Uh, and watching it, you know, just the other day just reminded me, uh, actually, or I should say it was almost like watching it for the first time because I haven't seen it from start to finish, excuse me, for quite a long time. And of course, when you're a kid with like, like what's a lot of the humor from Spaceballs or some of the other comedies we've done, mm-hmm. when you're an eight year old watching this in particular, a lot of the stuff goes over your head. Now, some things like the booby trap joke. I mean, you, you're an eight year old kid, six year old kid, you, know, you get that one. There's a lot of... A lot of stuff that watching this, I was like, "Wow!" I had no idea who Frank Sinatra was when I first watched this. Really? Well, my mom, well, my, let me first. My mom's dad, huge Frank Sinatra fan. They played "My Way" at his funeral. So, like, oh, you know, that was one thing I yeah. got. You know, uh, but there was. I just remember watching it recently. It was just like, "Wow!" And this was rated PG. Mm-hmm. Like today, I don't, I don't think you would get away with that. Uh, to be perfectly honest, mainly, honestly, probably simply for the Jessica Rabbit character. Yeah. Like, I mean. From start to finish. Yeah. I mean, she's basically... Side boob all the way. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> little, I don't know how that dress stays on even for a tune. I don't know tune physics, but I'm just <laughs> saying, it's it's a miracle of modern science. Hmm. That is a totally... That's not how she looks in the movie. Somebody no, this is as a, a kind of a doctored photo. But, uh, yeah, oh, this, it's so fake. <laughs> <laughs> Roger and Jessica aren't really there. Jessica, yeah. She's that's had some work her. done. <laughs> That's funny. And that's actually, if, if this world existed, that actually could literally happen. 
Yeah, I went to the animator, got some some work done. Yeah. You know, I got I got my cheeks brightened or you erased that mole. Yeah. <laughs> got a new one. <laughs> I got a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, but this is nothing but fond, fond memories of this movie. I remember seeing it in the theater and just being completely excited about it. And I had a Roger Ro- Roger Roger. I can't Rogers speak. I'm so excited rabbits. to be back doing a podcast because it's been like three weeks. Uh, yep. But I remember having the Roger Rabbit stuffed animal and throwing it around, having going on adventures with it in my room. <laughs> like I was, it would imitate Eddie Valley. Come with me, Roger. Oh, He Man, <laughs> uh, Skeletor framed you, Roger. Come on, we got to go talk to He Man aboard oh, the GI okay. Joe aircraft. So you were Bob Hoskins. Well, I was the young Eddie Valiant. Oh, the adventures of the young, young Eddie Valiant <laughs> <laughs> and the young Roger Rabbit because he was proportionate to me. So. Oh, right. I mean, this are tunes like, animated. what's the process of tunes being, you, know, you just draw them and like, poof, whoa. They yeah, just, like, are they born? Or is there some like. I guess they would have to be born because they have like eggs and hatchlings and stuff like that. Or maybe it's, maybe Maroon Cartoons own some sort of, maybe there's some sort of machine. Like when you animate them for a movie, that like, oh, they're animated for a movie. Now they are alive. There needs to be some like gritty movie just called Toontown. <laughs> And it's like going into the, the makings noir. of it, how it came to be. Clint Eastwood could be in the could be the villain. We, the, can, <laughs> we can get you know some some hot young actors to like be the the talent to draw in the young crowd. And that could be a TV series actually. Just call it, like you know, we are revisiting full of Gotham. ideas today. <laughs> Just call it Toontown. AMC. AMC. Uh, Toontown copyright eighties revisited two thousand fourteen. Do you think they could ever come back that effect where mixing people with? 2D art like that? I think if they did it, I mean, if they did it now, I imagine they would probably actually go with maybe a 3D, like the CG route, but just make it more cartoony maybe. But to where the... Because they do it all the time now, Mm -hmm. but they want it to look real. Like Ted. Yeah. It's an animated bear, obviously. But But a big thing about this movie, in fact, uh, getting on with some of the trivia stuff, there's a... uh, in the scene where they're in the secret room in the bar, Mm -hmm. and Roger leaps leaps forward to look out the eye holes... And when they he does that, I think Bob Hoskins, as he is miming being jerked by Roger Rabbit, bumps the lights. The light right. starts moving. Well, that was a huge problem for the animators because they had to match the screen <laughs> light yeah. to the shadows on an animated character. That's right. And now, did they have to do that? Not necessarily. They yeah. you know, they might have could have got away with it because I never noticed this until I read this and then watching that scene. Like holy I shit! I bet you like would notice if it wasn't there because he maintained his brightness. Maybe. As a kid, I probably wouldn't put right. it that way. But uh, in fact, there's a, t- a term in the animation industry called bump, fix the light. Or is it fix the light or bump the light? One of them. Uh, which basically means fix, you don't let, like, you make sure that it fits right. the animation. Don't hit the lights, basically. Yeah. So, which is really interesting. When you watch that scene, you can see, when you watch it and you're paying attention to the shadows on Roger, they're changing every time the light moves. Ugh. And, I mean, again, that's yeah. hand. This isn't, yeah. you know, this is true animation. Change every cell, yeah. And I, I think they said, because I watched the documentaries, and I want to say that the it was over 800,000 pages of animation, or it was something absolutely ridiculous. They said it was like, if you put them in a stack, it was like five stacks of eight feet tall animations. It was some ridiculous amount of animation that went into this movie. In fact, if uh, they probably even have some of the uh, little documentaries, behind-the-scenes stuff on YouTube, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It's immensely worth watching just to seeing what they did. Like, of course, Eddie Valiant is in a co- he's in a little mini go- bitty go kart, right? That they animated Benny the Cab over. When you they show all these scenes without the animation, so you see 
uh, not not CG, but you see the animation come in, and then you see the go kart take off and break through a wall, and they're zooming down the street in a go kart, which was actually used again in Back to the Future Three to drag Michael J. Fox hmm. through the uh, the dirty city streets of Hill Valley, eighteen fifty, whenever it was. But uh, one of the most interesting things about it is, for a lot of their test shots, they actually had life-size rubber models of the characters that, that the actors would interact with. And it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Like, the, uh, <laughs> on the DVD, there's scenes like Christopher Lloyd holding a solid white rubber Roger Rabbit, shaking them, and they're all miming the scenes to get it all right <laughs> for the lighting and everything. And that's what they used as a reference on the animated models where the shadows would fall. Wow. So... And to me, I, I wish there was a scene, like a, an alternate viewing mode where you could watch the movie with just the rubber mannequins. Because, uh, of course, the, the intro scene where uh, he makes Roger take the drink uh, and he throws uh, one of the weasels at the other weasels and they knock him and uh, some dudes and the dudes fall over. They actually show that where Bob Hoskins throws a rubber dummy and knocks over all these people. So it's, <laughs> it's immensely entertaining and really, really funny. Uh, but some of the more of the trivia kind of behind the film because there, there's, there's really a good bit of it and it's all really interesting I think. But uh, Bob Hoskins said that uh, for two weeks after seeing the movie, his young son wouldn't talk to him because he was pissed off at his dad for not telling him he was working with Bugs Bunny and Donald Duck, and yeah, then he didn't let him meet me him. Too. So <laughs> that's interesting. But uh, and uh, I don't, no, we, we talked about this before the podcast. I'm sorry, but since the movie features both you know the greatest animated characters of all time, uh, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Bugs Bunny, uh, Donald uh, Daffy Duck, Droopy, Betty Boop, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as by condition being made by uh, Disney and Warner Brothers, they'd only allow their main characters, uh, they'd only allow their characters to be in the film because it's a Disney-made film. I think it was mm-hmm. done under Touchstone, though, their, or Buena Vista. Their, uh, I can't remember what the crawl was in the beginning. Anyway. Uh, production company, Touchstone, Amblin. Uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, But it, you know, it's basically bankrolled by Disney. Uh, anyway... Yeah. But it's a it's Disney wanting to put uncredited. It's a Disney movie using Warner Brothers characters. So again, that's like you know that's like a DC Marvel crossover. Yeah. And today that's actual liter- literal because Warner Brothers owns DC and now Disney yeah. owns Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so in order for them to even have Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck in the movie, they had to have equal time. Now these mm-hmm. are animated characters demanding equal time in a movie. You know, fictional characters yeah. getting equal time. In a movie, which is why you see Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in the par- in the falling scene with the parachute and the spare tire, you see Donald and Daffy in the the pre Jessica Rabbit uh, musical number. And if you watch, they're never it's never separate. Mm-hmm. If one of them's in a shot, they then show a shot of the other one. You know, it's it, it has to be down to the second. I would imagine yeah. that it's thirty seconds of Daffy, thirty Some seconds of Donald. Room full of lawyers are timing it. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I mean, if they if when Disney made. Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, they couldn't use the same shade of green for the witch. Yeah. I would imagine that there were stopwatches with three second hands. Up, oh, sorry, that's point zero zero eight six seconds. Yeah. More Daffy. More Daffy. So uh, we're going to need to cut that one frame of animation that we just paid somebody $2,000 to draw <laughs> you know, out of the film. Uh, mm. Now, this was awesome because I am a huge Tim Curry fan. Uh, but he auditioned for the role of Judge Dredd, and the... Uh, the rumor, the story on the campfire is that his audition was so terrifying for this movie that they could that Zemeckis and Spielberg didn't want to go with him because they thought he would be too scary. Mm. Which to me, that just makes it even more awesome because again, like I mean, Christopher Lloyd, great in this film, but like I like Tim Curry a little bit more than Christopher Lloyd, so it would be interesting to have seen you know one of those films that in an Earth, an, an alternate Earth, we'd be able to see. Maybe it would have been. 
too cartoony. <laughs> like, he doesn't like our cartoons. Something's up with this guy. Uh, <laughs> although the film ti- the the film's title is "Who Framed Roger Rabbit," that's a question. However, there is you will never see a question mark behind it because that is considered bad luck in the film industry to have a question question mark in your title. Films with question marks <laughs> in the title. Let's see if this. You know, Let's it's see like if uh, this holds up. it's like you don't say uh, if you're on doing a stage play, you don't go say uh, Macbeth. Dude, where's my car? Aha! <laughs> uh, that one worked. Uh, now all the other ones kind of stink. Uh, well, are we there yet? There is one good one. Oh, brother, yet. where art thou? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's not uh, many. What's eating Gilbert Grape? What about Bob? People like that. I, like, oh, I mean, that's a yeah. underrated Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfuss sure. film. He's afraid of Virginia but, Wolf. Let's see. There's was there ten listed there. So the top ones are the five worst. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> are we there yet? Uh, did you hear about the Morgans? Shall we dance? Casual sex? Question, question mark. <laughs> and why would you need a question mark behind that anyway? They probably have doubled their intake if they just right. left off the question mark. Yeah. Or you watch the movie and it's like G rating. Like nope. <laughs> see, <laughs> at the end of the credits, nope. That's it. That could work. Oh, look, see, and actually on this webpage, Who Framed Roger Rabbit does not have a question mark in its title. Oh, uh, they had to put Because they there. were superstitious. I superstitious and cowardly were... lot. We don't want comments on this. <laughs> the, uh, just in case you're wondering, the three ingredients of dip that uh, kills the tunes is turpentine, benzene, and acetone, which are actually all paint thinners used to clean up animation cells if they make a mistake. So it's literally, it literally does erase tunes. Now, here's a list of question mark movies that don't have question marks in them such as what lies beneath i guess was all right yeah i guess they're just going with the the five w's for questions why do fools fall in love of course then again yeah those don't sound quite as much like a question like who framed roger rabbit what waits below (laughs) like what lies beneath guess who's coming to dinner that one's definitely yeah it's a faint serving would you rather how do you know what just happened (laughs) <laughs> okay, what is the hell is this one? Right, I can't even read that. Oh, that's uh, uh a. What? I have no idea. What if? Uh, okay. But okay, on the title says AV. AV. Dot, dot, well, dot. it's Greek. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> then it, it's disqualified anyway. <laughs> that's true. Apparently, Greeks don't have question marks, and because uh, they just put Ellipses, three dots behind yeah. it. Oh well. Oh, good grammar term right there. Yeah. I knew that. I just couldn't remember it. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, uh, at the time, which is again we're talking about nineteen eighty-eight dollars, seventy million for a budget for a film was the most expensive film ever produced in the nineteen eighties, and had the longest on-screen credits at the end of the movie. Naturally, because of the amount of work, animation-wise, and uh, whatnot. And this hmm. is pretty cool. We talked about how Steven Spielberg uh, has like certain things in his office from props from his film. Uh, Robert Zemeckis still has the stop motion model of the flattened Judge Doom in his <laughs> office, so that's an interesting conversation piece. Uh, and uh, it also should be worth noting that there's some historical relevance in this film, much like the original book is more of a social commentary. Uh, but Judge Doom's master plan to dismantle the red car trolley is actually based in fact because private corporations uh, conspired to eliminate public transit in the late 1940s and 50s in order to generate demand for automobiles and in fact, uh, there's a certain freeway in Los Angeles that uh, is actually, if you drive it, you're driving the road that Judge Doom would have built. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write it down because I didn't think about doing it until right now when it would be relevant. <laughs> Why not? So just go look it up. You can find it. 
Uh, I mentioned the full-size rubber models. Let's see. Oh, this, I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, Charles Fleischer, Fleischer, who did the voice of Roger Rabbit, actually did all of his voices, all, the, uh, all of his lines, I should say, on set, dressed like Roger Rabbit. But he was hmm. sitting off camera doing it. Hmm. And in fact, uh, let me see, did I write it down? Uh, but actually, he went, he went to lunch, like he would go to lunch dressed like Roger Rabbit, and then a lot of the other people filming other things on the lot at the time would be like, oh, that's that stupid animation movie. And nobody thought anything about it because of you know what it looks like when you're filming it, throwing rubber models around, and right. there's a guy dressed like a rabbit. It's ridiculous. So it was kind of uh, you know, nobody kind of saw the vision except Zemeckis, and I would say maybe Spielberg. Uh, this is pretty interesting. Again, like we talk about Tim Curry possibly could have been Judge Doom, considered for the role of Eddie Valiant. Uh, excuse me, Robert Redford, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Now they talked about they were concerned about uh, Tim Curry being too scary as Judge Doom. Jack Nicholson for Eddie Valiant. <laughs> I'd like to see that version, Jack Nicholson and Jim Curry. Which one's scarier? Oh, man. It would have been a uh, horror movie. My father, Ed Harris, was also considered. Yeah. And the oddest choice, in my opinion, Sylvester Stallone. Hey, Roger, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, anyone seen a rabbit? I could see him interacting <laughs> with Jessica. You know, like, oh, nice booby tree. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? do time. Hey, buddy, boob. You still got it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they could have animated his frozen side of his face so he could form a sentence without slurring. Just kidding, Sly. Big fan. Looking forward to Expendables 3. Uh, I'm the judge. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> it's Judge Doom is Judge, judge Dredd. Dredd. I'm the law. Two daughters to die. Guilty. Uh, Jessica Rabbit was actually Guilty based Rabbit. on four movie femme fatales. Uh, the cartoon character Red from Tex Avery's, Vix, uh, Tex Avery's Red Hot Riding Hood in 1943, uh, Rita Hayworth, uh, Veronica Lake, and Lauren Bacall. Mm. So if you're ever curious as to where they base it on, it's those four things drawn into one. Took all the worst of the four people. No. <laughs> the worst features and made <laughs> the sexiest cartoon in history. It's like, how about we go back and do the best features? Oh. No, this okay. works. Amazing. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Uh, oh, yeah. It was Bump the Lamp, excuse me, not Bump the Light. Uh, that was my last okay. note in here. Bump the Lamp, to correct myself from earlier on in the podcast. So. Sure. And that that's pretty much, I mean, there's a ton more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. There's YouTube videos with stuff about this film. There's so much, again, because you're dealing with a film that is practically half-animated uh, with live action. And if you, when I, actually, when I watched it for the podcast... In addition to looking out for the things I'd read the trivia on, I was also l- watching the background to see it's pretty flawless how they integrated the cartoons in the interaction. And there's some things that I'm just watching, like, you know, uh, we watched a video before this, but like, you know, Ro- Roger grabs a coat, you know, mm-hmm. that, and that coat goes in Roger's hand. You know, and like, and you, you know, this is, again, this is not in the Jurassic Park CG era. I mean, up until eight, 1988, right. I mean, we had Labyrinth, which was the first computer generated, uh, I think, uh, animal. Uh, Tron had come out by this time, but again, you know, we're talking glowing lines, not nothing real. You're because uh, even su- the Superman movies of uh, the '80s, if you watch them on DVD mm-hmm. or you know the Blu-ray set, you could see the wires. It's blatant, you know, on VHS because you're looking at 480 interlaced. Yeah, you can't, you don't really see the wires. But when you, you know, and it, it did break my heart the first time I saw that because <laughs> I thought Christopher Reeve was Superman, and the whole you know breaking his neck was just a farce because he had to go do something in space. But, uh, you know, a kid can dream. 
But anyway, uh, Jesse, what would you what would you rate Roger Rabbit? Hmm. I don't usually rate things. I know. Putting it to the test. But I really do enjoy it. So probably like an 8.5. Uh, as a kid, I would say a 9. And to me, I found it just as enjoyable as an adult. And I would maintain that it the is a 9. Rating. Uh, in fact, it's one of those that if it was on, if I was flipping channels and Roger Rabbit was on, I would, I would stop yeah. and at least watch a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Hoping it was a Jessica Rabbit scene. That patty cake scene still makes me hot. Patty cake? Patty cake. <laughs> patty cake. <laughs> yeah. All the different actors. <laughs> I could see Jack like watching him do it. Like, yeah, yeah. Just because getting creepy. I got you now, Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> he has that shining look. Just you know that blank, just staring. Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> he like teams up in the end with Tim Curry and like <laughs> kill him all. <laughs> <I> kill him. <laughs> Here's this isn't Eddie. in the scripts, guys. <laughs> but uh, again, this film released June twenty second, nineteen eighty eight. Long, long time ago. Uh, Oh, the, it's not that long. Feels like it, <laughs> you know. Because again, this is one of those movies that, you know, as a kid, you'd watch it, you'd mm-hmm. hit rewind, go get another you know, popsicle out of the freezer or whatever. Delaware and hopefully punch. Hopefully, by that, there you go. <laughs> I remember that. Do you remember Delaware punch had the bottle where you'd squeeze it and have like a little reservoir at the top to like pour like a perfect cup? I don't know. I just it's weird got but, the cans. <laughs> When, in fact, I don't think I ever drank it out of a candle I was an adult. We always had the wow. two liters. Not always. I mean, that was like kind of a drink of choice for a while. Rich people. When I was a child. <laughs> yeah, only the two liters at the Harris house. So what's this can? We can only afford a can at a time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we only sell them in packs of six. <laughs> it was hard. It was very hard. Actually, back in the day, they sold individual they, cans. Yeah, I remember I guess that. they Some, still do. At, uh, you know, uh, gas stations, gas stations and, and everything. Yeah, like, I, I remember that's all grocery stores, they would have like... They do that now more so with beer. I know yeah. A lot of stores like, oh, you don't want to buy a six pack of this beer that might might taste like shit. So you uh. can you know get one of each and then hope one of them's good. Yeah, I live next to a gas station, so there's a lot of individual cans. In fact, I mean me too, because uh, again I don't remember drinking Delaware Punch. I don't even know it came in can. I remember like when I worked at Winn Dixie in high school when I was stocking. I was like, this comes in cans. <laughs> it was like a revel- revelation. <laughs> and in fact, uh, working in a grocery store in the late nineties. You'd, uh, as a stock clerk, so to speak, you know, if, if something was damaged, you put it in a buggy as you're straightening up the aisles and you bring it to the back and then they would apparently send it back to the manufacturer or, mm. or they'd get some sort of credit for it. I don't know, whatever. But it was common practice and it probably still is. If you're hungry, oh, this bag of chips is busted. Eat some <laughs> chips, you know. And, I mean, look, and the managers would do it too. It was like it wasn't dissuaded upon to do yeah. it, you know. So, oh, this Delaware Punch is missing one. Hmm. Yeah, it's missing. Like, I go, go to the frozen food cooler, <laughs> put a can in there, come back in thirty minutes, drink mm. me a nice cold Delaware punch. Come back and someone had bought your can. And I remember, <laughs> you know, and re, and I must say, <laughs> revisiting Delaware punch was not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. it, it did not hold up. Yeah. It's it's memories it's like from my childhood. <laughs> the, oh, at least sugary grape drink. <laughs> and what's with the name Delaware punch? Is that like? <laughs> it's oh, my wife is off. Uh, All bad things are radio from saying Delaware. it's not from Delaware. It was created by Thomas E. Lyons in 1913. Oh, wow. Look at this. It's difficult to find. So most of the people listening to this might not even know what we're talking about. (laughs) But it's still sold in some grocery stores in Louisiana, Arkansas, and Texas. And some restaurants in Houston. Going to Houston. I would like a Delaware Punch, please. (laughs) Let's see. The grape. uh, Delaware Punch is named for the Delaware grape, uh, which its its flavor is derived. 
The grape was first grown in Delaware County, Ohio. The drink, therefore, has no affiliation with the state of Delaware. Wow. See how much this shit's going for on eBay. We're about to make our own business yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, you, hey, man. Hey, man, you got the punch? Hey, I don't know. You got the money? Yeah, we got the punch right here. We got see. K- hey, oh, I don't know you, man. Show me this money. Let's see. Delaware punch. 12-pack? All right, let's go for six-pack. Yeah. Six, six, six-pack. Six, six, six-pack. Six, six, six Is that evil? Oh, man. They don't... Oh, well, there's your market. There is no market. Oh, I, <laughs> copyright 2014, age revisited, yeah. Delaware Punch on De- eBay. Delaware Punch. Coca-Cola Company's going to call us. <laughs> Stop us selling our stuff. Yeah. Well, Stop maybe you selling should. Our, We're doing yeah. you a favor. We're increasing your brand awareness. People in Delaware love this stuff. <laughs> I wonder if anybody in Delaware has, in fact, tasted Delaware Punch. It's, um, Only if they would tell us you. They're like, no thanks. <laughs> I might get some on the way home just to reminisce about how nasty uh, it is. <laughs> ah, why did I do that? <laughs> ah, mistakes in life. <laughs> but uh, in the real world, June twenty second, nineteen eighty eight, the day, excuse me, June twenty third, the day after Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit came to theaters. NASA scientist James Hansen testifies to the Senate that man-made global warming has in fact begun. Therefore, the time mark for man-made global warming is the same. As whatever anniversary edition of the Blu-ray of Roger Rabbit that comes out next. So if it's the 30th uh, okay. or whatever, you go, ah, it's been 30 years since man-made global, man-made global warming was discovered. It's 25, right? should have been 25 by now, right? Oh, well, it just passed, yeah. So that must mean the DVD one. I have must be 20th then because I've had it for a while. Hmm. Anyway. How about that? And, of course, we would normally have Daniel Sports Rewind, but he's not here. So, uh, if you want to find out sports info, go to Wikipedia, uh, search 1988, and go down to the month of June and see what happened. All right. Because that's not my job on here. I, June, I, I write my notes. Daniel, that's his one contribution besides his great opinions of these films. Uh, Robert Givens was on the, Robin Givens, who got beat up by Mike Tyson, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. There you go, and that's your sports rewind. Sports rewind. <laughs> 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 uh, and now... Uh, of course, the segment I do prepare for, Back to the Future, oh, where the, we leave the 80s the and Olympics jump to Olympics were sometime now. in there. Oh, yeah, there you go. 88 Olympic Games. Uh, Wait, they had And winter? the winner? Oh, they, they aligned that year. Oh, uh, how about that? That's How is that possible? I don't know, because <laughs> when I was a kid, I remember like them being in the same year, which this is obviously what it's saying, but I don't know. remember when they changed it. Would you like a mic? <laughs> People at home are like, who's this mysterious voice? I don't know. I can almost hear it. But anyway, while we're looking at that up, oh, uh, just so you know, no quick why. fact: you know, in the height of uh, in the Cold War, Russia won the most medals, a hundred and thirty-two and fifty-five gold. Sports rewind. <laughs> That's two sports rewinds in one episode on the wow. fly, Daniel. You need to step up your game when you get we your ass back. Doubled here. it. Uh, back to the future, <laughs> and of course, you know, we're about three week, two, three weeks late with this episode. Which again, we apologize. Uh, so this Back to the Future is almost a little too late, but Days of Future Past, everybody at this table has seen it, uh, and in fact, there was a detailed review on the latest episode of Geekly Dose, if I remember correctly, uh, but in my opinion, it was flipping awesome, and you should go see it, because I I believe, uh, on this very podcast, I expressed my doubts that it would be good, just based kind of on what we had seen, and of course, X3. But, Brian Singer, even though you like to put yourself in little boys, you do know how to make a good X-Men film. And for that... There you go. Yeah. It was very, I was very, very impressed with it. 
of course, you have your naysayers. Most of the negative negativity I've seen has been like, oh, it wasn't like the comic book or, you know, minor. There were no little boys in the thing. <laughs> there were no little boys <laughs> being taken advantage of by movie directors at, you know, saucy little events, premieres or something. I heard he might not be on Apocalypse because of that. Hmm. Well, they need to get, uh, I think Matthew Vaughn was the one that did First Class or yeah. get him back might at work. least. Because uh, that's the one thing I really liked about it. They did a perfect job of combining the the cast of First Class with yeah. the the past cast and, spoiler alert, kind of ending that plot line, so to speak, to where now, because Apocalypse was take place in the 80s, I believe. So it's going to be more, it's going to be basically First Class 3. Do you remember that scene at the beginning of uh, the third one where uh, they go to Gene's house? Mm-hmm. That scene happened 13 years after Days of Future Past. So the way Professor X looked in that scene <laughs> versus <laughs> the way he looked in Days of Future Past, that was a rough 13 years. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, things were happening. You know, <laughs> Sentinels That's were right. killing people. He went bald <laughs> completely. <laughs> His face shape changed. Just well, you know, because they do, maybe that was a side effect, maybe he lost his hair because it was a side effect of that serum he was taking. Right. You know, I mean, I think. Gained a even more British actor. <laughs> I mean, he had one. A more, he made, less cockney and more yeah. proper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to speak, I guess. Of course, a true English speaker of England could say, oh, no, he's, he's got a Liverpool accent there. Now he's got a, a London accent or, yeah. you know, they could, they could spat all that kind of stuff. Not as eloquently as we just repeat things we hear. Well, on TV. Maybe they'll fill us in on those 13 years. Send us an email, asiavisit.gmail.com. No. <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, with how convoluted and basically fucked up the X-Men universe have become with X-Men 1 through 3 and then uh, the two, two Wolverine movies, it, I mean, they can't pass away everything. You know, some things like, I don't care, you know, as far as the timeline goes, because it's time travel. Right. So if you We're don't want to... kind of wiped out everything. If it, if, so, you don't, yeah. if it doesn't make sense, it's time, just, it's time travel. Just, just, just let it be. It's like, you know, not Someone else went in like time Terminator. and fixed it and made it that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, they're not the only people <laughs> that can go back in time. Something else happened. and But the one thing that surprised me is that why do they even make the Wolverine if, what, six months later, a year later? Going to cancel it all anyway. It never happened. It means nothing. Just for the ending, I guess. <laughs> I get uh, oh, oh, why didn't they just do that? <laughs> and, you know? Yeah. Or they could have made a good Wolverine movie. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it was because they knew they would make money. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it was, it wasn't, half of it wasn't bad. They had to get rid of the metal, too. Which really didn't even play <laughs> into, which they didn't even need to do because in Days of Future Past, he has it in the future, which means. Right. Which they don't, All the, the stuff Now they don't have to explain because that he had, how he got his adamantium back in the future. Because that, di- it doesn't matter. That didn't happen now. It did happen, though. But I mean, he, obviously he has to get it back. Yeah. Although he didn't pop his claws when he came back. To himself. That's true, but but then Mystique pulled him out. Puts as striker. Like, yeah, maybe like, she was just like, it still has to happen. Like, sorry, bro, <laughs> sorry. you're gonna go through hell and be mentally fucked for the rest of your life. <laughs> but you got to have your adamantium to fight apocalypse. Right. You can't kill apocalypse so with bone claws. Still sorry. Go through the process. And yeah. I was waiting for that in the movie for him to like, because he did pull out his claws with the Sentinels. Right. And it was like, I was waiting for just. Ha ha! You know, robotic laughter. Ha ha! <laughs> because you can't. You got fucking bone claws. <laughs> that and that that worked in the comic book because it made him more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, cyber like I remember one of the awesomest issues of Wolverine ever. Cyber stepped on and broke him. Yeah. And it was a big. It was like four issues later. It was a big reveal. Like 
if his claws could grow back. Because mm. he, he actually had to, had to leave them. He left them out because he didn't want to put, you know, three-inch pieces of bone retracted back into his forearm. And then have to travel <laughs> all the way through, yeah. So he actually left them out. And then over the course of the issues, like, they kind of slowly bone did. grew back. So that was a great time in Wolverine's history. still would history. hurt, though, because the blade is still there. I mean, of course, in Wolverine lore, every time he pops them, it's supposed to hurt. Because yeah. it's blades coming out through his hand. Which they do even talk that about in the really first X-Men movie. That would yeah, like, <laughs> ah, you'd be like, ah! I don't know if his healing factor's that fast. Like, ah! He's like, oh, oh, hold on! Ah! Why did I do this? You just get, like, you know, brass knuckles with claws on them. to be more effective. Like That's that a new look. Yeah. Like, he just, He's like, fuck the claws. Forget them. I'm done with those. Nope, nope. I don't need them. Yeah, so that's I that. I hit pretty hard with these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my fists are metal. I mean, you can still kill. You know, that would hurt just as bad. You know, you wouldn't kill. I mean, you could still kill right. somebody, but I mean, it'd be like, bam. You know, you beat the shit out of them first, so it's <laughs> yeah. arguably more painful and way That's worse true. to go than just Big getting a claw through the face. I'd go. rather get a claw through the face than bludgeon with an adamantium hand. <laughs> I'm just the new saying. Wolverine. <laughs> Ticket sales have plummeted for the new Wolverine. <laughs> Because he seems to just fight with his It's like fist. a boxing movie. Yeah. Like, and he talks about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and speaking of Wolverine, the comics apparently in two months they're killing him off. Yeah. I heard Which about means that. he'll be back in, in eight months. Yeah, it's it's like a one off type of thing. It's like not in the main storyline. Oh, really? It's supposed to be like a what if? Maybe or? something like a, yeah, like a series. Like, you know, oh, okay. just a couple comics here. But. Yeah. When they do that, it's like, yeah, what if Wolverine had been dead? Blah, I mean, blah, blah. well, okay, in the alternate future, we've already seen him in the comics. He dies because the Sentinels just fucking liquidate him. Uh, there's the, excuse me, there's the Old Man Logan plot line where he's like the last superhero ever. That's what it's actually called, the Death of Wolverine. So, yeah, four-part limited series. Okay, so it's not it's not in continuity then, so to speak. Right. Because I know in the recent issues, he's uh, not had his healing factor. So he's kind of, there's even one issue where he's using a gun, which I mean, you know, he's not like Batman. We're like, oh, I don't use guns. Mm. You know, how do you stop Batman from beating you up? You hand him a gun. Oh, I can't use this. <laughs> uh, what do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the yeah. thing. Like, because uh, there was, there, uh, with, for example, for Superman, there was, a, there was one point where Superman could literally push the earth. Yeah. Like he was that powerful. Like, okay. They made him too strong. Oh, oh, this little rock's going to stop you. Okay. You know, ridiculous. So then they had Crisis and they made him not as super. Right. And then there was a point where Wolverine, uh, like, part of his brain was left. Like, he was, he had nothing but, like, part of his brain. And apparently he regenerated. Hmm. So, yeah. My theory stands. The only way to kill Wolverine is to drop him in the deepest part of the ocean. Did he forget everything when his brain went away? I don't know. I just... I didn't. I didn't read that issue because when I read comics, they were good, and that's just <laughs> stupid. I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, I assume his memory has a healing factor too. It's stored on the cloud. <laughs> but anyway, I think there'd be some brain damage there. Like half of his face is numb. And, <laughs> then Stallone can play him. That's how they can transition <laughs> yeah. from Jackman to he gets Stallone. Even older. <laughs> For old man Logan. Well, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, uh, of course, uh, I think that about does it. Any other? Final thoughts on Roger Rabbit, other than you should definitely, if you don't have it, you should go to Amazon. Excuse me, you should go to awesomepods.com, <laughs> click on go. the Amazon link, and then from there, purchase your copy of Roger Rabbit, because uh, that's definitely one, in my opinion, for the collection, uh, one to treasure with your children, and so forth, forth, with, whatnot, for many, many times. 
uh, hmm. in the future. I think I accidentally took the link down, but I'll put it back up. <laughs> yeah, so just do that. And again, it, it, it adds nothing to your cost. It merely sends us like. Oh, okay. You got to click on show. 80s Revisited and support the show and ah, shop at Amazon. Gotcha. Good to know. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> thank you, everybody, as well, for listening. But again, that, that doesn't add anything to your purchase price. It merely just shows your support for us. And yep. we hope that you do it. Anytime you buy an 80s movie, we hope you do it. That's more important because then you're buying something that's important to the podcast. There you go. And hopefully, it's a movie that you listen to on here and you're like, wow, I haven't seen that in forever. Or maybe. I haven't seen the movie at all. And it was just totally spoiled for me, but I want to watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. That works too. But don't forget as well, being awesomepods.com, pods plural, as I'm so fond of adding apostrophe S's this episode, mm-hmm. there's many other podcasts on the Awesome Podcast Network, such as Geekly Dose, Duo Attack, the Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This? And Republic City Report, which should be coming back soon because I think a new series of, or a new season of Legend of Core starting. And the, there is actually a graphic up on the site now for Nintendo with former Geekly Dose host Steven Ocentelli. Yeah. So hopefully that's coming soon. Trying to get him to do more episodes. Are you trying to like kind of bank some he to did, yeah. put him out? He did one already, but need more. We'll just keep uh, watching the Facebook page at Awesome Pods, Twitter at Awesome Pods, et cetera, et cetera. And next week we end our 80s decade year by year with 1989. With This was our first movie with animation, true animation in it. Next week is our first fully animated movie, Ooh. and arguably the second hottest animated redhead <laughs> in film history. And I'm sure any child of the 80s like myself would probably already knows who we're talking about. But again, tune in next week as we talk about a movie from 1889. But anyway, 1989. Thanks, everybody. Again, I'm Trey Harris. I'm Jesse Sedgley. Daniel Santangelo. In spirit. <laughs> Cowabunga, everybody. See you next week. No scooch. Find this show and more on facebook.com slash awesomepods and follow us on twitter at awesomepods 